the upload of a full human consciousness, I feel like we are not close to that. Oh, no, no, no. We're not. We're not anywhere close to that yet. We're not seeing. That's why I said it's going to be another three so or Science, four. you've got 25 years. OK, I'm counting on this. Generations before that happens. But I will tell you, if if we publicly know about the pig and the chimp with the chip in the brain, you know, there's humans in a basement somewhere out of, of a private company that we don't know about yet. Humans like, in a tube who are living... So- we, it's, come on it's got to be there we know it that is the sound of inevitability mr exactly. exactly Welcome to episode 255 of Pup Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft brew pint, fine wine, or whatever happens to be in your glass. On today's episode, the Reverends Shannon Weston, Ogan Holder, and yours truly, Brian Burkoff, address and engage what's happening through a theological lens with a good brew in hand. And whether you're a longtime listener or you are new to the show, you can get even more content and you can become a patron and support our show. And as a thank you, while Splice last, we will send you a Pub Theology Life pint glass to put that good brew in your hand. If you're watching us on Facebook, there's Shannon Scott Harris. It's a beaut. Um, so head over to patreon.com slash for some extra uh, bonus content, uh, discussions before and after the show. And as always, thank you to our current patrons. And today we're discussing spring, Mary Magdalene, and the evolution of humanity. So, well, that's a lot. <laughs> Let's have a drink. It's always that last one that's like, in the black holes of the universe. And I'm like, oh, God, where are we going today? <laughs> So, Ogan, let's start with you. What are you not yes. drinking? I am not drinking anything today because um, I have decided um, to to join my partner here in Morocco as we are observing Ramadan. It is it is Ramadan, um, and we'll be Ramadan for the next twenty some days. So, how long is this gonna take? Hang on to your hats, people. This is gonna be a ride. Um, so, we are fasting from basically sun up to sundown. Uh, not even water, nothing. Oh my goodness, are you kidding me? So if I'm a little testier than usual today, it's because I haven't eaten since yesterday. Now, as, as I explained in the pre-show, and I talked about this a little bit more in the pre-show, uh, you can wake up right before dawn and have like an, a super early morning meal to kind of like help get you over the hump. But I don't wake up before the sun for any reason these days so so that's not happening so i'm not doing myself any favors here but yeah, yeah not drinking anything drinking so. anything well All good right. for you well brian what are you drinking today i am drinking a farmhouse ipa from waypost brewing uh really just down the road for me in finville michigan and they describe it as uh it says bright hop aromas abound in this belgian influenced india pale ale Ripe, radiant notes of tropical fruit give way to a crisp, snappy finish. No rough edges here. This one is designed to stay light on its feet. Are you drinking a beer or a dancer? What is happening with that description? Yeah, there's a lot going on there. It's a wood shop in that farmhouse ale. 
Yeah. What do you got, Shannon? Within the corners. Um, you know, I went to, so I am, um, I traveled this weekend for my cousin's wedding, didn't stayed up late with my other cousins drinking bourbon and talking and listening to music. And I am exhausted. So I am drinking, um, a good old cup of coffee, hey, coffee. <laughs> as, hey. as I need to make it through the rest of the day. Um, it's been, it's, it's, I don't know. I'm, you know, I'm traveling more for work and this was obviously, you know, personal travel, but, um, I'm, I'm not as quick to rebound in yes. my travel. And I really like my bed, right? Like I, I like sleeping in my own bed where I'm, I'm anyway, I might have ain't, to ain't, ain't middle age grand. I mean, <laughs> and just anyway, so I'm getting really, um, yeah. So anyway, drinking, drinking a good old cup of Joe. Yeah, coffee's ready. It's, it's actually, it's not great. I will fully tell you what it is because I didn't want to make another cup of coffee. And Derek and I don't usually do this, but we drank the whole pot of coffee this morning, both of us. And so not I'm, instant. Don't say instant. It's the Starbucks little packets of it is instant, uh, like instant. Uh, so wow. it's the Pike Place Starbucks, which is I throw they they live in my briefcase for when I travel and like hotel coffee is just horrible. So yeah, that's exactly what it is. And that's desperate times calls for desperate measures. Listen, I did have I was gonna have um I have been noticing that I've needed a cup of coffee in the afternoon, so I bought the vanilla latte like iced coffee like pre-made from Starbucks that you keep in your fridge, but I only had about, um, it made it up like an inch and a half of the glass. I was like, that's not going to work. So I made myself a cup. Of well, you just add a little bourbon and, and it, it's, you know, there you go. Yeah. and I have physical therapy after this. So I figured I might as well, uh, keep it, keep it classy. <laughs> there you go. Hey, good old cup nice. of coffee can get you through. So Brian's going to get drunk on his own today. <laughs> hey, I, I guess I'm with his chicks and his cat. <laughs> yes so uh noted on the pre-show there are six baby chicks in the shed with me apparently we are going to have chickens and eggs and those kinds of things and i left one of our cats in the shed alone for an hour with the chicks and miraculously everyone was alive when i came back in so that, that would not be the case with our cat it's an easter miracle it is an and this miracle. is our cat that's like mostly outdoors and he hunts all the time so wow. i Maybe they're just too easy. It's too easy of prey. I know. Are the chicks not in something secure? You make me sound like they're just sitting in a basket. No, they're, they're in, in like they're, yeah, they're in like a big Rubbermaid, blue Rubbermaid bin with no lid on it. Oh, it'd be just oh. you know shooting fish in a barrel. I didn't realize that. <laughs> just jump in, jump in the bin, and have a feast. Oh my goodness! Oh god! I don't think that I was love how Brian's like. Way. Apparently, we're having chickens now. <laughs> exactly. Oh my goodness. Yes, apparently we are. On to today's topics. So friends, we wanted to just take a moment uh, on the front end of the episode to acknowledge the school shooting uh, that happened on Monday in Nashville. And just noting, of course, that our hearts go out to uh, the families and the community there as, you know, yet again in this country, we're dealing with another gun tragedy. And uh, gun violence isn't on our list of topics today but we have talked about that episode uh, that 
issue a number of times in the past, including uh, episode 233, An Icon of Fear. That's our episode from last year, uh, shortly after the Buffalo shooting. So if you'd like to hear more conversation on that topic, you can queue up episode 233. And hang our heads because nothing's changed since then. Yeah. A little bit worse. Correct. Yay. Yes. Correct. Oh, my goodness. So our opener today says, what marks the beginning of spring for you other than the calendar? And has that happened yet uh, in your life or where you live? The thing that marks spring. I'm going to answer for you, Brian. Live chicks in the shed. <laughs> That's true. Is the true. signal of spring? <laughs> right? That's true. Maybe they're Maybe Kristen was just hatching. desperate for spring. So there she go. got some you, chicks. You got your own life peeps right there. And I look out my window and I see snow on the ground. So my answer was going to be no spring is not here because there's still snow on the ground. <laughs> no, you got, you got, you got chicks there. Um, so we have daffodils and crocus coming up in, in Maryland. Um, but I will say, so I was over the weekend, I was in Northern Alabama for my cousin's wedding and they actually had that new green leaf, you know, like um, their red buds were blooming, their dogwoods were blooming, the the trees had tiny little leaves on them, you know, that that's that real light new green color. Yes. And that felt like spring. So even so, I don't think that the crocus and the daffodils are quite like that's like the signal that it's coming. It's pre-spring. I, it's pre-spring. So like when the, when the trees actually get that a little bit of green on them, I think that's when I feel like it's spring. Yeah. I hear that. Because otherwise you look around, there. there's a, there's like some flowers blooming, like the prosythia is blooming, but like the trees are still all brown. So right. I think once you can kind of look out and see mostly green, like that's where the switch happens. I think. I hear you. Um, For me, for me, it used to be uh, the birds chirping, like the sun, the sun's come up a little bit earlier and, and you're hearing birds, uh, the return of early morning birds. Yeah. But it also occurred to me that as I have um, embraced the nomad life, basically, and avoiding winter, um, I'm also mostly avoiding spring and late fall. So I, was gonna I, don't, ask. I don't, I don't get that <laughs> uh, here in, in, uh, Morocco, even though it's a little, a little bit chillier than than summer weather, um, it like full on winter never really hits per se. So like even now, all the uh, the uh, I would say the hedge du jour choice here in Morocco is bougainvillea. If you don't know what a bougainvillea mm -hmm. plant looks like, you got to look it up. It is gorgeous. Beautiful. Fun fact: fun fact: those little colored things are actually not the flowers; those are the leaves around the little flower buds in there. But they're all over the place here absolutely gorgeous i'm running around taking picture after picture of these things um so yeah so they don't really hit like a, a dead of winter or rather it's a very very mildish winter but things never you know trees don't really lose their leaves per se they just you know kind of hunker down so so yeah i'll be i'll be missing that by the time we get back to the states in late april i would love to think that spring would have been well underway by then <laughs> We're early. Um, so I went down to, um, I haven't been, I, I didn't make it all the way down to DC, but um, in um, 
at Fort McHenry in Baltimore, right on the water, are cherry blossoms in the style of, mm-hmm. you know, the tidal basin. And and they're all blooming right now. So we're about two, three weeks ahead than we normally are. I um, yeah. And and I'll be honest, Ogan, like that used to be one of my signals too, but it's not getting cold enough in the winter that we're mm. really losing the bird sound at all. Uh-huh. So it's it's things are shifting. They yep. are. They are. They have shifted. They I have. Don't... I mean, yeah. It, yeah. And still are, they're still moving. Yeah, but shifted like, and are shifting. They're shifted and shifting. And 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 shifting. And shifting. Yeah. I, I mean, I think things are a little shifty as well. <laughs> Right. I would say the other thing that marks the beginning of spring for me is the sports calendar and particularly opening day of baseball. And that happens tomorrow. um, Which And you're the only one that cares about this on this call. So I'm glad you're sticking up for the other people that might care, but I don't. You don't, what? You don't care about baseball? No, I lost in the divorce. I'm happy. Oh, that's right. That's right. Wait, did the final four happen yet? That's also happening this weekend. This weekend. Okay. Yeah. I, you know, again, don't follow as much, but I hear everybody's brackets basically got destroyed after Completely the blown first up. week. Disaster. Maybe if you have UConn winning the whole thing, you're still, you're oh. still like hanging on by 1% or something. Right. But um, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy, crazy. Maryland, Maryland Cinder- women, Maryland women still in it. All right. Maryland I love women me Cinderella, Cinderella story. Lots, lots of those happening right now. Well, they're wow. not, I mean, they're, they're ranked two or three. Like they were, ranked pretty high so yeah not them i mean oh. all the other like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah no yeah. name teams that all of a sudden yeah. people are like wait what who are these people? yeah it was interesting but yeah no i hear that though yeah but that you know like final four opening day that kind of feels like okay you know and then we got yeah. the masters the weekend after the final four that feels like spring great good good for you <laughs> good for you brian <laughs> good, I, good for I, you, brian. I can see it in shannon's eyes right now uh, for me, I would say end of the uh, NBA regular season. There you go. That's that's. Wait, isn't that June? Maybe. I was gonna say, isn't that in June? What the the, the NBA the, regular season? It start. We're we're in the we're in the slog right now because we we are we are about to go into what they call the the what are we April. Mm. I am I am kind of early. That's like staying the Stanley mm-hmm. Cups. It's the, still March. Like, beginning of spring. <laughs> it's still March. I'm losing track. Of, I told y'all I didn't eat for two days. <laughs> I've lost. I've lost yeah. track. I've lost track of time. Well, that's okay. I mean, by the time some folks tune into this podcast, it will be April. So you know, <laughs> there, there you go. All good. Might be. It might be May. It might exactly. By the way, shout out to the guy, speaking of baseball, shout out to the guy Derek and I met in the airport that downloaded last week's episode to listen to on the plane. Um, If you told me your name, I don't remember it, so I apologize, but he was on his way to National Stadium because he works with National Stadium in D.C., so there you go. Wait, wait, you knew him or he recognized your voice? We met him in a bar. Of course we did. (laughs) Boom. We met him in the Nashville airport bar and on nice. Monday night and, uh, you know, he downloaded an episode, our latest episode and Derek, Derek's latest food and faith episode to listen to on the plane. Nice. I love it. Love it. That's how it's done. Very cool. Very cool. Nobody said you can't network a part podcast. There you go. <laughs> Nobody said that. Actually. Nobody said that. <laughs> Speaking of 
Rabbi Israel Salanter once said, not everything that is thought should be said. <laughs> when have you not followed this advice? But Every day. You had. <laughs> <laughs> and have you been around someone who doesn't have the ability to filter in this way? Or is that you? Actually, it's not me. People think it's me, but I'm like, you have no idea how much I filter. <laughs> Yeah, there's real work happening. Yeah, there's real work. Like you, you think you're like you just say everything you think. You're just all out there. I'm like, no, no, I'm not. You don't want to know what goes on in this. Head. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you think it's bad now. You have no idea. Yeah, there's a lot of filtering happening here. <laughs> so, have you ever done that? Like, oh my god, let's, let's wear our clergy hat and say, you know, you're in a church meeting that you're leading or you know a key part of. Have you ever said anything and, and immediately realized that, that would have been way better if I hadn't said that? So this is weird, but I was doing the announcements once in church and people were coming. There was like a volunteer group coming to paint the offices and I like was announcing this and whatever. And I was like, and thank goodness, because right now the offices are the color of bile <laughs> which by the nice. way was true but i also went oh my god somebody in this room picked that color i was like, gonna yeah. say who painted it before and oh. were they there <laughs> and i immediate like it just kind of came out right and i was like that was probably a thing i should not have said in general at all you know whatever so yeah no well um I'm going to add to that quote um, and and share a similar by the uh, great detective Benoit Blanc from uh, Glass Onion, uh, the, the, the second movie. He said, it's a dangerous thing to mistake speaking without thought for speaking the truth. Yes, that's a, like that's one of my favorite quotes in that. So <laughs> our kids have a tendency to, you know, like I think kids have a tendency to do this a lot in the, mm -hmm. not just think without speaking, but like, I didn't know how mean that would be coming out. Right. Or that was, it wasn't mean, but it is when I say it or, right. um, and I, I had to learn, like, there was a while where I thought I was being funny, but I was really being mean, you know, and like learning that line of where that line is and who you can, you know, whatever. Well, it's, it's not mean if it's funny. <laughs> So as long as somebody's laughing. Yeah, but if you're the only one. <laughs> you're the somebody. <laughs> no, I'm good. What about, uh, what about, I bet yes. Brian, Brian doesn't have this. Brian doesn't, he just, he's cool as a I am over all the time. It's probably true. I, yeah. Like, yeah. Not a lot comes out of my mouth by accident. Um, Do you ruminate on what you should have said? <laughs> certainly, yeah. That That's more my problem is that I'll think later, Oh, why don't you respond, you know, with X, Y, or Z in the moment um, that happens following this podcast. Sometimes I'll think of something brilliant later and be like, oh, that's the thing I was going to say on the podcast. And I forgot it. Yeah, we all sermon. do that, but yeah, but yeah I, would, I, probably, I would guess that you would be over filtered. I, I probably have way too many examples of things I shouldn't have said that I can't even remember one right now, but I will remember one thing I did intentionally say that, that really, um, you know, uh, people were not happy that I said, um, but it was, but it was very intentional, which was, 
um, you, you know, in, in our unity tradition, we don't, and, and most traditions, I would say pro very progressive traditions, we don't necessarily see God as the, you know, the, the human old man, God in the sky. Um, and, and the point of my sermon was saying that for many folks who've come from more traditional um, Christian traditions, even though they changed the verbiage, there's still that God out there anthropomorphized idea. We just replace the word God with spirit or something like that, but we still think there's that thing out there. And I said, uh, so to kind of gauge where you are with it, tell me what you think after you hear me say the following, God does not care about you. And I remember saying this and you could hear the collective like gasp mm. as I said it out loud. And I said, well, exactly my point. If, if God is not a thinking, feeling being of some sort, then it literally can't care. So if you are offended by me saying or shocked or, or, or it's giving you cause for pause when I say God doesn't care, perhaps consider how you were still thinking about God. And there's no right or wrong here, but there's one thing to say, here's how I think about God, but then actually be thinking about God another way. That's the disconnect. And you gotta, you gotta sort that out. So that was the thing I said. Yep. Yeah, I got a, I got a few emails about that one. <laughs> I bet you did. I bet you did too. <laughs> sure. I sure did. Oh, yeah, that was fun. I mean, I this this to me, like years ago when I was at a pro-choice rally and first saw the sign that's like, not every ejaculation needs a name, you know, like that's kind of what reminds ah, me, this quote reminds nice. me of, right? Like, you know, not <laughs> like some things are better kept inside. Um, but I, <laughs> but what I also want to say is like the process of that filtering, right? Like, I think that we take on that scripture of, you know, um, if you lust, then you've committed adultery in your heart. Like we kind of take that on with thoughts that like some thoughts that are like not good thoughts pop into our head and they're, they're natural to just let like, I mean, in, it, when you learn to meditate, or at least when I first learned to meditate, uh, the image that was used were that like thoughts were like clouds and you just let them float by yeah. Or, mm -hmm. you know, but if you, which I don't know, they use that. And then I'm like, you can't grab clouds, but like, you have to choose to like pull the one down, you know? And so you yeah. could use that same analogy in terms of like a thought to speech, which is like, you don't have to say every thought, but you also don't have to judge every thought either. Right. right. Like you don't have to like, why did I think that? Like, I don't really think that about this. Yeah. Some word like. It's like dreams, like some things just get strung together and pop into your head. And yeah. And then like, Jesus says, you should better to gouge your eyes out or cut your right hand off. Than... I'll just chop my head off. And <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because you can't no problem. Like some thoughts are involuntary. Like they. And that's my thank you. That's a much more succinct way of saying what I was trying to say. Like they're just it just <laughs> happen. Thoughts happen. Right. It's like blaming thoughts someone happen. for a dream that they had like at night. Yeah. What is and, that when, and, a, you know, when the spouse gets mad because they cheated on him in a dream and he's like, I didn't do it. It wasn't exactly. real. <laughs> but you had the thought. You must have wanted to do it. Um, part of this also is like knowing your audience, right? I remember I remember part of part of coping with uh, when Jennifer died, part of part of the coping with that grief was Joy and I had like some real macabre humor, macabre 
macabre humor around around that right and some of those jokes were not appreciated by everyone not for the public yeah not not for the public not even for family so at some point i had i had to say to joy all right we got to keep those jokes between us you and i can appreciate you know that that level of dark humor at this time and it's probably helping us but other people are not ready for it so let's that that's a me that's a me and you bonding moment uh sort of sort of deal. yeah that's a great example because sometimes they're you know in different contexts you you can there's an understanding and a trust and a relationship where you can say things that you know mm, i'm not sure i would say this to in other settings yeah and i will so to the last one have you been around someone who doesn't have the ability to filter in this way um i mean now we understand that there are certain kinds of of um what's the word would you say personality or uh no more like like people on the spectrum or something you know like that that really don't have the ability to filter and yet there are learned behavior right we can teach ourselves to you know kind of but but i had a guy at church years and years this was when i was in new york and he was clearly on the spectrum and and didn't didn't know what was appropriate to say out loud and what wasn't right Right. So would openly talk about things that shouldn't have been, you know, like physical ailments that. Yeah, yeah I remember you telling this. I'm sure I said, told you this and like having to have the discussion of like, you know, we, we want to pray for you, but we don't need to know the specifics of like, yes, like God will know, God will understand, <laughs> like, you know, whatever. And, and it's a really strange and awkward conversation way more, I mean, than it's hard when people can't read social cues and things like that. But when things are really blurted out in that way, it's like you, you see, really don't know what to do. In that situation, I don't think that's on him. I think that's on the rest of everyone who seems to be uncomfortable with just the things that we all human beings experience. Right. There's some there's some there are mm-hmm. some things that we create these, you know, niceties and, and social agreements around that and we say we don't talk about these things in public we don't talk about you know sex in public we don't talk about money we don't there's certain things that we've been conditioned to not talk about but they're all shared human experiences right it's different from and but potentially (laughs) potentially and sometimes if we know the details we can also avoid it i feel like this is a know your audience thing right and like (laughs) This is not the audience to hear Perhaps. about what is happening with your hemorrhoids. Like this is, you know. Okay, and- great example though. But I mean, you're you're at a church with um, a generally older population who tends to be the people who experience hemorrhoids. I feel like I feel like there were some other people in that room who could have done with some hemorrhoid prayer, but they would have been too embarrassed <laughs> to say it out loud, right? So that's that's the sort of thing I'm I'm talking about. Okay. Why not talk about hemorrhoids? Uh, okay. <laughs> if you want to pray for your hemorrhoids, go to Ogan's church. <laughs> All me. I'm not going to lay hands, but I'll pray. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so uh, on the lectionary this past Sunday, or in the lectionary was uh, John chapter 11. So, you know, I was getting ready to preach and looking at resources and so on, and came across um, this scholarship that has been around for 
a couple of years, but I hadn't been aware of uh, that a New Testament student named Elizabeth Schrader, a New Testament PhD student, I should say, um, I think she's at Duke University, was looking at the oldest and most reliable manuscript that we have of the Gospel of John. And the first verse talks about, this is the chapter where Lazarus gets raised from the dead, and it talks about Lazarus of Bethany, and then it says the village of Mary and his sister Mary. And so it's this transcript that talks about two Marys, and Martha is not mentioned There is no Martha. in that oldest version. But then about a hundred or so years later, an editor came in and changed the second Mary into Martha, changed the pronoun his sister to her sister, and then throughout the chapter made edits, pluralizing sisters, shifting Mary elsewhere to Martha. And so this scholar has posited that originally there was one Mary, one sister to Lazarus, and her name was Mary. And he, she goes further and says this was Mary Magdalene. And the significance of that is that in this chapter, Martha makes this Christological confession that you are the Christ, the son of the living God, which gets made in the other gospels by Peter and is this huge thing to which Jesus says, you are Peter, the rock on which I'm going to build my church. And she posits that if that was also said by Mary Magdalene, that would have put her potentially on par in the early church in terms of authority with Peter. And so was it intentional that this text was edited to further minimize the influence of a female figure, particularly Mary Magdalene, um, in the early church? And so this was all new information to me and super interesting. Um, and so I guess so so trying to so you're saying editing the text in order to diminish a woman's role. Why would anyone ever want to do that? Why would anyone why? ever be shocked that that happened? Is the so it's it's super interesting and so you know, did did you read Diana and super Butler and super not surprising? <laughs> did you read by Diana Butler Bass's sermon on this? Yes, Is that where you found yes. Yeah. and I borrowed heavily from it for sure. my sermon on Sunday, because she did such a great job and told the story really well. And this was. Which I, I, I highly recommend this. if you're, if you're looking this up, read um, Diana Butler Bass is a church historian. And I recommend reading her um, sermon on this because I listened to it and it's really hard to follow just even for me, it was hard to follow preached. And she gave it like it, at a live event, like at it was at wild, wild goose. goose. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a live event. So there's calling out and there's, you know, it, anyway, just if, but reading it, it's, it's fascinating. It is. Um, but there's a, there's a little bit of pushback and not pushback entirely. Right. But that, no, there is you know, pushback. Well, there, well, but even by progressive women, because Martha is such a pivotal, um, person in scripture for like Martha has really been lifted up as this significant female leader in scripture as well and so it's this like we don't want to get rid of that either in you right. know and just trade it out kind of thing right. but the Peter stuff the the Christological confession like that's real yeah and it's interesting because there's a symmetry in the gospel of john because mary magdalene is the first witness to the resurrection right and so there's yep. a symmetry that which makes if, a lot more sense if she's the one confessing yes. and the one the church will be built on right those are the two resurrection stories in john 
it would make sense that she was the one at both who makes this statement and discovery and witness and you know that that um, makes a lot of sense to me I, I also want to give a plug for a book called mary magdalene mary magdalene revealed um the full title is uh the first apostle and wait, hold on let me get the full title mary magdalene revealed the first apostle her feminist gospel and the christianity we haven't tried yet it's by the scholar megan watterson who, uh, when we started doing uh, the bonus content, I actually interviewed because uh, I know her a little bit. Yeah. So, um, dig, you know, if you're a patron or become a patron, you can dig back into those early archives. And, and there's a great interview uh, with her on this, but she's positing a lot of the same stuff, right? That, that Mary Magdalene was, yeah. was that central main disciple and figure um, in Jesus's life and has been, again, shockingly uh, suppressed and, and silenced. And not only that, but then painted as yes. something, something even worse, right? Painted yes. as, as, as the prostitute, the harlot, yeah. the, the, the. Well, um, so, she's been yeah. thrown into the unnamed woman who is stoned. She's yeah. been thrown in yeah. to the unnamed woman with the alabaster jar. She's been thrown, like any of these kind of very subversive figures. Right. The church has made that Mary Magdalene. Yeah, it was Pope Gregory in 591 who made the connection with the with the woman caught in adultery in chapter eight, even though there's zero, you know, zero evidence. Or historical zero. evidence linking <laughs> yeah. them. But that what he said how many years ago is still sort of just common oh. understanding among many folks in the church today. Yeah. And I would even say that like even people not in the church would be like, oh, Mary Magdalene yeah. was a prostitute. Yes. Like that just that's that seems to be fact and it's not correct um, correct so anyway so it's just it was a fascinating thing to to read and and to talk about particularly in a sermon setting because you're getting into scripture and how scripture you know the process of of us getting it that we don't have any original manuscripts what we have are copies and that even those show signs of being edited later from the original. And so that, you know, really um, impacts people's thinking about what are these documents that we call scripture and sacred. And, you know, what does that mean for our sources of our faith? It's, those are big things. And I will say that, like, from what I understand, Elizabeth Schrader really did. She went to the oldest document. Yeah, the like, oldest and most reliable and most reliable document have. and and that's Correct. where she did her research from which was that in itself is is fascinating but what is interesting to me about this conversation is that there is so much evidence in the new testament in general gospels and the letters to back this up that it's not surprising right, right? like even the idea that women would be the rock in which the church was built on is happening with the churches that Paul is, is planting. Yes. Right. So this, this isn't, even if you're just reading a modern day, you know, understanding of scripture, this idea isn't foreign or it shouldn't be foreign to you, yep. you know, that this is happening. It's. And, and unfortunately it's like texts, like, is it second Timothy that, probably wasn't even written by Paul, but talks about a woman should be silent in the church. And then people just, that's such a, you know, black and white statement that in many circles, 
you know, we talked a couple of weeks ago about the Southern Baptist Convention in which women can't hold any role of significance, deacon, elder, or preacher. And texts like that are what hold the hold the weight, yeah. even though, as you said, Shannon, there's other texts that show women had key, if not, you know, outright leadership roles in the early church. Right. Well, they did have leadership roles in there. Yeah, they, they, they did. Were, right. you know, yeah, yeah, they they did. were preaching the gospel and doing, you know, and, and what's interesting is just in the way that, you know, American Christianity got spread throughout those who were enslaved, they took three verses and preached mm -hmm. them over and over and over again to where we think that text like that is, has a huge presence in scripture and it's two lines. Right. Yes, or yes. it's, you know, now not that not, I'm not here to argue that scripture as a whole doesn't have, you know, patriarchal language and issues all over it. That's, that's not what I'm here that, that women aren't subversive in scripture that, because that is not only a reflection of the time that is a reflection of history in general. Right. However, right. To say that women weren't involved in both Hebrew scripture and in the new Testament is ridiculous. Yes. Like it's absolutely absurd. So I love all, I love all of this. I love, I love when what we have taken for granted as truth and fact is questioned and, yes. and questioned with evidence because now, because now it does force us to confront our own individual faiths and belief. Hopefully it, you know, to, to Shannon's point, if we embrace this, then yeah, we got to throw out the Martha figure. And for those of us who have, uh, you know, identified with, with the Martha of the Mary and Martha story and, and found validation for ourselves um, through that character, what, what does that mean for us, us now? Um, well, and, I would just and, quickly mm -hmm. say to that, that the Martha in John is not the Martha from Mary and Martha in Luke. So right. that Mary right. and Martha, no one's questioning that where it's the, do I sit at Jesus' feet or do I serve? Right, and, and that's an important. Work? So there, no one's questioning that story or that Martha. So I think that should be clarified. Yeah, this is just the resurrection of Lazarus in right. John. Right. This is not sure. Mary, right, right. But but again, we've connected those in our head that yes. we, you know, right. all of that, yeah. Yes, yes, we have. Um, but but this is good. This is I think this is how we eventually get to a stronger faith, right? Mm -hmm. You know, that, yeah. doubts doubts not the the opposite of faith. It for me, it's it's the opening to to a deeper faith. So so yes, bring on all the things that make us question what we have assumed to be true, um, and especially in in you know you, you mentioned Shannon about patriarchy in 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 hebrew and gospels and and you know the fact that um here we are in 2023 and you know patriarchy is still alive and well um and if you if you believe the un report that came out a little bit ago we will we will women will not reach true equity for another 300 years yay long live the patriarchy so so to bring on things that truly that truly bring attention to how how much our faith is informed by patriarchy and to question that i think is is well needed is much needed and we should be doing more of it yeah boom boom but i Agreed. i it also makes me go you know that there's only so much truth you can cover up mm. right like mm -hmm. there is evidence of this all mm -hmm. over scripture 
yep. whether they changed a name or not and a pronoun or not, right? right? There is evidence that this is true. And what I like that it's coming out in scholarly work, right? Rather yeah. than, you know, if it, obviously she has a faith perspective, but like what I like about it coming out in scholarly work is that you have to prove it over and against, right? Where can we find other evidence of this? Yes. And and that is always a question. If it's true one place, it's going to be true multiple places. Yes. Especially with faith and scripture. And so, that's what I found super compelling was that also showed how a couple of a couple of other early church sources that were not scripture supported this, Tertullian being one who spoke in his commentary on this chapter about Mary and her confession of faith. And then Egeria was an early female Christian um, writer in the fourth century, and she was on a pilgrimage to the place where she says, Mary ran out to meet Jesus, but the text says Martha ran out. And so mm -hmm. if that had been changed from Mary to Martha, that makes sense that she had the version before this edit happened. Same exactly. with Tertullian. And so yeah. I find that further validation. Right. Again, you're going to find, you're going to find it. You know, you're going to like, you can't cover it all up. Yes. Um, so I, I also want to. Unless you're wanna... the FBI and killed <laughs> Malcolm X. And then. You... Yeah. The Vatican. I mean, give, give that a few more years. <laughs> um, it's also worth mentioning that as things like this become uncovered, become public and they're shared and it does cause people to question their faith and or, you know, people now maybe getting into spiritual crisis or a deconstruction that yes, that's, that's a scary place to be. And some people are not in a place that supports them doing that. So right. hopefully, right. hopefully, you know, if you're listening, uh, or you know people who are going through that, hopefully everyone can find a safe, supportive space uh, to do that. And and to reiterate, it is not a sign that you are losing faith um, in yes. in in the in the least bit. And if you have no one to reach out to, uh, all of us are here. All of us have been through multiple spiritual crises. <laughs> this is yep. this is old hat for us. <laughs> Um, and, um, and, and find, find people where you are. And I know that's scary because sometimes that means losing your community, right. And losing, yeah. losing, losing family that you've, you've known. So, yes. so I get that. And, you know, there are plenty of things that I disagree with in my faith tradition. Sure. And I'm still part of it. Right. So yes. you, now we all decide where that line is. There may be yeah. a day where you say, you know, I need a new, faith community, this is my line, you know, but it, there's nothing wrong with disagreeing. With there isn't wrong with disagreeing. And for some folks, you, you happen to be in a, in a faith, in a community that, that allows for that. Some yeah. people are not, some well, people no, you disagree, just, they put you out. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've had family members, for instance, that are part of churches that do not ordain women, but do not have an issue with me, you know, doing what I do. They love right. me very much. They support, you know, and, and will even when they're, you know, <laughs> child asked me to do their wedding. They're like, great. We love Shannon, you know, whatever it. So, it, and I'm also arguing in the sense that like, that's how things change, right? Like yeah. oh, I, I agree. No I doubt. became part of the peace USA in a time where we didn't ordain LBGTQ folks. And I had <laughs> to make a decision of like, well, am I going to go be UCC 
or like, I feel that we're on this precipice of changing this and I mm-hmm. can be part of that. I can do that from the inside. Now there would have come a time if they hadn't done it in the first, you know, however many, sure. probably 10 years, I think it was 10 years after I was ordained, there would have come a time where I said, I have to go, you know, if, yeah, there's, if we're there's, not moving in this direction, I got to go, you know, there's no right or wrong here. Some people, some people have the wherewithal, the fortitude, the stamina to stay and fight the good fight. For others, it's like, nope, I yes. I got to go because it's not safe for me to be here for a whole bunch of reasons. There's there's no right or wrong here. Um, and we need both. We need both people. Otherwise, things aren't going to things aren't going to change um, yeah. as, as well. So hopefully, yeah, hopefully there's more of this. The chicks were chirping extra loud, Shannon, as you were talking. It was we love Shannon, I think, was the translation. They were they were <laughs> super into it. They were like, yes, they were giving their amens. Yeah, female, female empowership. <laughs> All right, so um, at the end here, so we yeah, been talking about re-understandings of our faith, maybe even the evolution of our faith. Uh, physicist uh, and MIT professor Alan Lightman says Homo sapiens or humans are evolving into Homo techno or creatures that are part human and part machine. And he says, we're already evolving to that point. It's possible to put electrodes and computer chips into a human brain and have a person to be able to control a robot arm simply by their thoughts. He says, at some point, I think we'll have computer chips in our brain that connect us directly to the internet, a frightening possibility. And when we have uh, these devices that do things far faster and differently than the natural human brain, we're going to be another species. But already with our smartphones, how we relate to each other is different than it was 25 years ago. And so even though a a smartphone is external to us, we all, most of us living in modern society, have it as an extension of ourselves. And so he said it's not quite to the level that he's talking about, but it's kind of the same thing. And so the question is, does this changing of the human species via technology frighten or excite you? And what are some religious and ethical implications? Uh, implications to this evolution. I'd like to plug my book at this time. Um, <laughs> a few years ago, I wrote a book called uh, Rants of Revelations. Okay, um, I just want to say that if you see the cover, it's more than a few, honey. <laughs> uh, didn't we have a thing about saying nice things at the beginning of the show? Was yeah, it not everything? Not, sorry. Not every thought should have been a statement. Should have been said out loud. Okay, there we go. All right, I am I am ageless, y'all. Black don't crack. Anyways, uh, I wrote a, I wrote a chapter in that book, which actually it was a paper for a symposium that I did, where he talked about the future, where we're we going for the future of church, and and I posited, and again, freak people out. I posited that this is what will happen: we will continue having this human electronic hybridization. Yeah. To the point where, you know, not just we're having uh, chips in our brain, but I truly believe that, you know, we will get to the point where supercomputers, AI is developed enough that we're going to be able to map our consciousness. And if we can, we can truly map it, we can transfer it, right? Because I mean, the brain's, the brain's just electrical signals firing. We have no clue why or how that firing makes up our personality, how we think, how we believe, all those things. We n- no freaking clue. I believe someday, you know, a few hundred years from now, we will discover that. We will know that. Then we can we can map that. We can transfer that in 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 our science fiction nightmares or dreams from one like robotic form to another. And then in essence, 
death truly becomes a choice, right? We decide one day if we're going to stop this from happening, flip the switch. Otherwise, we will keep. And then truly, we will have absolutely no need for faith or anything. What faith then becomes is now sort of an honoring and remembrance of what our true humanity used to be because now we're more machine than than human. So now we have to honor what that humanity becomes. So that's that's where I think we're eventually going to go with this. Again, probably in another 100, maybe 150 years at the rate we're going. Now, I used to be a person who was very excited about this, very excited about the technological singularity and all that happening. And I got to be honest, the last, what is it, year with the AI that's rolling out, even in its like very unpolished form, I'll admit, scares the bejesus out of me. I'm, I'm way more concerned about Russian hackers than I am about turning into the chat, whatever. So I, I am super not into this at all. Like, I mean, I, so I, you know, on one hand, you're like, I want somebody to have a functioning arm if that's what they want. And if there's technology to do that, yeah. it works great. Like let's kind of, but like, where's the line here? Um, I still think like I'm a person I, that is very connected to my phone in every way. And yet the days, and I've found that it's healthier and healthier for me to have either days or hours of the day that I'm not connected to it. Mm -hmm. And so the idea that, you know, like we still need, there's something in us that still needs that disconnection um, that is just as important because we need hu real human connection, right? That we just aren't, you know, getting in the same way. But I, I also just kind of look at this and I, I don't know. There's just, all of this is terrifying and scary. Uh, and as well, Ogan was talking, here, I was, I, I, think, was picturing... I think, Shannon, we, we remember we are, we are like the last generation that remembers what it was I like know. before. The before right? so times. We, the before times, right? So for us, this is this the smartphone, the computers. These are these are additions to, to a time, to a reality that we remember. The, a couple generations from now, they, there will not be that frame of reference, right? At at all. Sure. I mean, so so we there's no way for us here to really tell what the what the relationship and interaction with technology is going to be two three generations from now. Like it's true. We can we can best guess it. I think we need we still need that technology less human interactions. It's because that is who our identity originally was. Of, of our generation. I look at, I look at my daughter, you know, uh, your kids, I mean, who, who, for them, technology was in, was basically always part of their lives. Right. They and were born in Zion. Seriously. Or a matrix <laughs> right, reference. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, so, so I so, think, go ahead. No, I just wanted to hear what Brian had to say, but then I want to talk about the rental car I had this weekend and how there's way too much taking over of technology. <laughs> And that was not well, even in my brain. <laughs> I didn't want to interrupt, Ogan, but I, I, what I was going to say was, as you were talking about mapping of consciousness, you know, and being able to sort of upload our 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 brains and therefore our, you know, who we are. Which let's just, just go back to that thought conversation. Like, no, no, we want to not upload my thoughts. Everything. <laughs> right. Anyway, go ahead. Go ahead. But I was, I was just picturing like. Uh, an old, you know, a room a thousand years from now where there's these old dusty computers and hard drives and someone's, you know, 
trudging through there and it's like where's ogan he's one of these somewhere let's see if he'll boot up still (laughs) so there's actually and we're not allowed to there are um i'm on the committee for preparation for ministry and they made a rule that you had to keep paper files of your candidates and stuff because someday there wouldn't like we're not going to keep up with the technology and i was like that's bullshit like we're just gonna keep if we're going to be able to open PDFs in the future. Like, come on, people. Like, we're going to yeah, right. They're, they're, we're going to upgrade. Listen, they're banking. They they're banking on a post-apocalyptic future where I, where we're back to rubbing sticks together. I'm right. sorry. I think the world is going to burn before that, and all that paper is going to go up in flames. But whatever. Exactly. Anyway. Well, that's what I was going to say. Was I, I am not convinced. Like, I think that technology may be possible. I think it's quite a ways out, and I I think this whole thing's just going to humanity will not last that long listen yeah, man doesn't right. doesn't doesn't elon musk already have like the chimp playing pong with the chip in his brain or or the pig or something like yeah, the neural link in the, in the exactly it's i mean it's already let's happening. let him have it huh and then let's send well, him out in the rain and let him malfunction the interface is happening but the the upload of a full human consciousness, I feel like we are not close to that. Oh, no, no, no. We're not. We're not anywhere close to that yet. We're not seeing. That's why I said it's going to be another three or four. So science, you've got 25 years. OK, I'm counting on this. Generations before that happens. But I will tell you, if if we publicly know about the pig and the chimp with the chip in the brain, you know, there's humans in a basement somewhere out of, of a private company that we don't know about yet. Humans like, in a tube who are living... So- come on it's got to be there we know it that is the sound of inevitability mr anderson exactly Exactly. so i had to get from nashville to northern um alabama this weekend and we rented a car and they gave us a brand new 2023 like it had all the bells and whistles on it so my cars don't even have like apple car play on them where you like plug it in and your map comes up right like It's got some, like, we have backup cameras, which I'm, I love the backup camera, right? Like, good technology. At the next intersection, turn left. But holy shit, this thing drove for you. It kept you within the, like, and it would, like, overtake your steering mm-hmm. if you, whatever. You. Now, I didn't mind the, like, it would recognize the car in front of you when you were on cruise control. And it would keep you at the yeah. same pace so that if they slowed down, you automatically, sl- like, and there are some things, but the whole driving for you thing we were on some back country roads and I was like, you, you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> like, it was like, it, it was like driving with a teenager. Cause yeah. like sometimes there were lines and sometimes, and it would start veering off and I'm like, what the hell? You know? What was the car that you drove? It was a Hyundai Santa Fe, which I actually really liked the car, but like, these are all modern features on cars yeah. that are there to re because we are so distracted drivers. Yeah. These are features that have been in cars for a while. I had to break it to you. My, my 2017 no, Miata has that lane control thing. I had to turn that off. Cause I'm like, no. Oh, the no, newest car bad. I have it's ever so owned bad. is a 2010. Oh, you're in for a surprise. Yeah. So our newest car is a 2015. But so, which was the year before CarPlay got put into. So back to the whole, like what we were talking about, about, uh, you know, deconstructing faith and faith being challenged. Yes. yes. I, I think as technology advances more and more, that's going to become the real issue. Because because for me, I, I, I believe that, you know, God, faith, all of that has really been man's attempt to understand the universe beyond his capability now we have technology that's more and more explaining the universe yeah um, but i and, 
So, so, so here, I, so I, I'll give that you that doesn't solve the existential. Crisis, no, no, it doesn't. Right? It, it doesn't. But we don't need religion and faith to have existential issues or mm -hmm. or to resolve those because there's people who don't have who don't belong to religion, who are atheists, who still go through existential issues around meaning. Well, yeah, we're all going to go through existential right. issues. So we, yeah. but we, so the point I'm saying is that I think as technology advances more and more, and we are able to more and more explain things, we are going to reduce or, or need more and more for religion and slash God to be that placeholder. I think I disagree. Here's, so I'll give you a great example. Like, I mean, we know how rain happens. We know the science behind rain. We actually have the technology to seed clouds, right? Sure. Does anybody truly believe when a drought's happening that we should go and pray for rain like we did when we didn't understand how rain no, worked? We haven't been doing that for 2000 years. This is but, not so this is so this is my point, right? So my point is is that as things continue to be explainable, sure. We we I, I still think for whether we want it then or not, God is still very much a placeholder for all that in the universe that we can we can feel, we can know we are part of that is more than us, but we can't explain. But I think we can so, explain just about everything, and we still, I think, have a need for a divine. Oh, we cannot explain bullshit. We cannot explain. To use example of the consciousness, we can't understand how these electrical signals in our brain between synapses you know work we just know that they do i think we could I'm, explain everything we'll still need god go ahead shannon well i was just gonna say i've never met a person that is in the middle of crisis mm -hmm. that if even if they right they completely did not like didn't believe in god didn't believe in religion that didn't accept like that didn't appreciate the word of like i'm praying for you and your family oh right? sure that there is something, there will always be something in us that, that whether it's the human to human connection, whether it's the meaning behind what those words are, mm -hmm. the well wishes, the blah, 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 right? Like, but it's, it, there's something more that we need that I don't even know that we fully have, like, like church isn't it, or even religion isn't it, but there's something that the God language does, or that. That that's being language. That's exactly the point I'm making. It's a placeholder. God is the placeholder for that very thing. And and I think eventually, and when I say eventually, again, you know, we're we're talking like multiple generations down the road. We're talking like, you know, not in my lifetime, not in my grandkids' lifetime. Eventually, I think the that that need to call it God to, 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 to have, I'm not saying we won't gather in community. We won't have some sort of, for lack of a better word, spiritual need of connectivity, but, but again, to, to make a religion around it, to, to, to say that we still need God or God will still exist. I mean, Nietzsche declared God was dead a long time ago. Uh, so yeah, I, but I, yeah, I don't, I don't agree. Like, I agree that religion won't look like it does and it won't be organized mm -hmm. the way that it necessarily is. But I, I don't agree that we won't, there has always been some form of 
because there always adapt. has does not mean there always God will God is be. surprisingly adaptable, Ogan. So right. The more we not can God, explain, us. It's not God, us. We are we are the ones. We, I mean, we I, are. Okay, A, we're never going to know because we're going to be long dead. And Unless B, I can I, get my consciousness on one of those. I think we're chips. just going to disagree on this one. <laughs> when they listen to this podcast in the in the year 3000, they're going to be like, man, those guys were so So, so, so that's the big existential is, question, is right? Is Andre 3000 going to listen <laughs> to this go. in the that's, year 3000? That's, <laughs> but that's the big existential question. Like, the you know, the forest fallen, the tree fallen in the forest and no one around to hear it. Does it make a sound? If we humans did not exist, would would there be God? Yes. I say no. I say we we are the ones who created in many ways, and I don't, I'm not saying created God per se. That's giving humans a lot of power. I'm not willing to go that far, Ogan. I'm 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 with Shannon. But when you when you look at how God evolves, right? From the from the human beginning, human understandings of God involves human understandings should never be conflated. Right. With- so human, but so human understanding of what though? Human ex- human understanding of our existence, divine. our meaning in the universe. Well, sure. What we call the divine, right? And we call it God. But I'm saying this. But those are not all conflated. Human existence, human understandings, and the divine. Isn't it though? <laughs> our our descriptions of the divine should not be conflated with the actual mystery that exists beyond our words so so the mystery is what i think we will eventually get to the point of explaining and then if we explain Mm. that mystery will we still need it because it's no longer mysterious we'll get to the control room in oz and figure out it was just this little guy behind the. i don't i don't know that there will be okay i'll use this example and then we'll just end everybody on this suspenseful we all disagree moment so if you're one that likes the chord to move to the major at the very end of the song, this is not going to be that episode for you. But um, I, you know, I, I was struck by when I was pregnant, my OB said to me, you know, we understand a lot more about, or, or we don't understand enough about pregnancy to understand how healthy babies are born. There is every scientific understanding is that no baby should be born healthy. Yeah, it's, right? it's a miracle. <laughs> it's, it is an absolute miracle that there are healthy babies born. And I don't, and, and so we may even get to the point where we understand how healthy babies are born. Like we may get through that science. Mm-hmm. What I don't think we will ever understand is when a person is born, when a baby is born and they exist with a personality and this, like they're already their own thing that from the moment, actually even right, like in the womb, they have their, they each have their own unique personality. And how, like, I don't, science will never be able to explain how that comes to be. So for me, the idea that there will never, that we will someday get to a point where there will never be a mystery, I I just can't go there. I just can't fathom it. And that's okay. It, it It's okay. I, I believe, I believe that we will. I believe science will explain that because science already explains and, psych, and psychology. And of, you have more faith than we do. <laughs> exactly. Psychology already explains, that, yeah, we pop out the womb. And yeah, we may be have that imprint already formed in us, but then we have our first, you know, wound, our first sense of abandonment, our first thing that happens to us. And all of a sudden, this is how we are operating through life for the rest of our lives. And we got to go to therapy to resolve that. So there's a lot of yeah, but it's that explanation we'll start a podcast. already. 
Oh, it's that pre it's that essence right that sure. essence that we sure. are born with like where does that come from how does that exist what I, who you, gets you're, to determine you're, that, you're right, right. Like, yeah, absolutely I, we, I don't think we're ever going to know that i think we will i think we will and i think right now our placeholder our placeholder for all those things we call god or the universe or spirit or we want to call it and there is value there is value in nurturing that Right. And and acknowledging the mystery of that and and making it part of our lives. I 100 percent agree that I do it. And I think there'll come a point because of technology's advancement. Future humans will will have no need of the reverence of the mystery. And then I think we're going to be in trouble for real, real. If you don't burn everything down by then. I think our denomination is going to change the name to United Church of Placeholder, actually. There you go. <laughs> I there think Hogan needs to eat something. <laughs> so thank you, friends, for tuning into Bub's Theology. Good call, Live. good call. You can show your love for the show by becoming a supporter on Patreon. <laughs> get access to pre and post show banter and more. Visit patreon.com slash PT Live to get started. And a big thank you to our current patrons. Listen anytime on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Our top cities tuning in this week are... Joplin, Missouri, Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and Columbus. That's my old town. Woo! Folks in Portsmouth listening. Ohio. Nice. You can watch the video of these conversations for some reason if you want to <laughs> on Facebook Live. And if you'd like to get started with a pub theology gathering in your town, find support and resources at pubtheology.com. So until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing. I warned y'all the hunger will get to me today. Oh my god! <laughs> All right, at least like at least this coffee woke me up because holy crap, I was fading. <laughs>